Chapter 21 My first snowball missed by at least a foot. It smacked against the back of the house, making a loud clap. Lou jumped at the sound and turned away from Ava. Then he glared at Doug, fear mixed with anger on his face. And that's when I let my second snowball go. Again, I threw without aiming. There wasn't time, and I was too scared anyway. My heart pounding in my chest, the sparkling white ground seemed to tilt and spin before my eyes. I threw with all my strength, all my anger, all my frustration. Bullseye! My second snowball smacked Lou right in the forehead. It was rock hard. It stunned him. He cried out, his eyes closing in pain and surprise. The force of the throw made him stagger back against a low stoop. The silver pistol dropped from his hand into the snow. Now everything seemed to move in slow motion. Still sitting back awkwardly against the stoop, Lou cursed and grabbed his forehead. Small clumps of snow and ice stripped down his cheeks, along his beard. Ava, above him on the stoop, stood rigid, staring at Lou, confused, appearing not to understand what had just happened. No one moved. It seemed as if time itself had frozen, as if we all had frozen, and then everyone moved at once. Red died for the gun, leaping into the snow, thrusting both arms forward. Doug dived a second later. Red almost had his hand on the pistol. But Doug tackled him hard, pushing him away. Red grabbed desperately for the gun and missed. Doug jumped on top of him and, with a loud cry, like the desperate roar of a wild animal, grabbed the back of Red's head and shoved his face hard into the snow. Then, still on top of Red, Doug reached down into the snow, grabbed the pistol, pulled his arm back, and tossed it across the yard. I didn't wait to see it land. Without a word to each other, Shannon and I started running, running toward the barn. I don't know what I had in mind. I don't think I had anything in mind. Just escape. To get away from that house. I turned around and saw that Doug was right behind us, running hard over the snow. The jeep! The jeep! He was shouting. Red, Lou, and Ava were screaming at one another in front of the stoop. Where was the pistol, I wondered. Hadn't anyone retrieved the gun? The jeep! The jeep! Doug kept shouting wildly, motioning us forward with both hands. He didn't have to motion to us. Shannon and I were running as fast as we could. I ducked my head low and leaned forward as I ran. I kept expecting to hear the crack of the pistol. I'm going to be shot, I thought. Shannon slipped and uttered a short cry as she fell. She landed on her knees, then lifted herself quickly with her arms. I reached back and grabbed her hand. I started pulling her toward the barn. The jeep! The jeep! Doug kept shouting. Where were Red and Lou? Were they coming after us? Had they found the pistol? Were they still arguing with Ava? Were they letting us get away? I didn't look back. I just ran, gasping for air, my boots crunching over the hard, slick snow. A few seconds later, we were in the barn. Blinking in the sudden darkness, I was the first one to the jeep. I flung open the passenger door and climbed into the back. Breathing hard, her face revealing her terror, Shannon lifted herself into the passenger seat. Doug pulled open the door to the driver's seat. He started to climb in. Then he stopped. All of the color drained from his face. Doug, what's the matter? Get in, I shouted. What are we thinking of? He cried. How can we be so stupid? He lowered himself back to the ground. Red has the keys. Chapter 22 Trapped. Cornered. I was stunned by how stupid we had been. Too stunned to utter a cry. The barn had suddenly become a prison. In our panic to escape, we had run into an even worse trap. Shannon and I climbed out of the jeep. I could see Lou and Red running toward us from the house, shouting as they approached the barn. There's got to be another way out, Shannon cried. 
There's no back door, Doug said. There's not even a window. There was no escape. Or was there? Looking around desperately, my eyes fell on a snowmobile leaning against the back wall. I ran over to it, surprised to see that it was just like the ones I had ridden during her family's last winter vacation. Would it run? Lou said it hadn't worked in years, but he and Red most likely had lied about the jeep being broken. Maybe Lou had lied about the snowmobile, too. It's got to work. Got to work, I told myself, glancing out the door. They were less than a hundred yards from the barn, running fast, shouting angrily. I decided it was worth a try. I mean, what did we have to lose? There wasn't time to say anything to Doug and Shannon, who had started to look for a place to hide. But, except for the stack of cartons in one corner, the barn was almost empty, completely open. No place to hide. It's got to work. Got to work, I kept repeating. The snowmobile had a pull rope to start it, like a power lawnmower. Hoping against hope, I grabbed it with both hands and tugged. To my surprise, the snowmobile immediately roared to life. It works, I shouted. Doug and Shannon spun around in surprise as I pulled the snowmobile away from the wall and climbed on. Maybe I can make him chase me, I shouted over the roar of the engine. Then he can run for help down the road. They looked confused. Run to the road, I shouted. To the road. Get help. Get the police. Just run. I wasn't sure if they had heard me or not, but there is no time to find out. I looked up to see Lou and Red in the doorway to the barn. Did they have the gun? I couldn't tell. They stood side by side, blocking the door. I gunned the engine, aimed the snowmobile right at them, and roared forward. Chapter 23 The noise of the engine was deafening. Lou and Red were silhouettes in the doorway against the white snow outside. I aimed the snowmobile right at Lou. I couldn't hear what he and Red were shouting, but I saw their eyes go wide as I roared up to them, and then I saw them dive to the side just as I reached the door. Then I was out, out in the snow. The blinding white light made me close my eyes. I opened them and squinted against the glare. I was sliding easily over the slick snow, heading away from the barn, away from the house, toward the ice-covered lake. Had Shannon and Doug escaped from the barn? Not yet. Lou and Red were struggling to their feet and heading in my direction. What luck! Somehow my scheme had worked. Now! Go now! I silently urged Doug and Shannon. I spun back toward the lake, almost turning the thing on its side, and opened it up full throttle. If only I could keep the two of them busy chasing me until the police arrived. If the police arrived. If the police were on their way. The thought suddenly flashed through my mind that Ava may not have been telling the truth about calling the police. Maybe she had just been threatening Lou, or trying to see how he'd react. Maybe the police weren't coming at all. I was nearly to the lake. It stretched in front of me. I looked back. Lou and Red were running hard. Despite the fact that I was riding and they were on foot, they didn't seem that far behind me. Kicking up a high spray of snow, the snowmobile slid onto the icy lake. Where the snow had blown off, I could see that the ice near the shore was solid white and hard. But as I roared straight forward, I saw patches of uncovered dark ice. That meant it wasn't entirely frozen in those places. I knew I had to stay on the solid white ice. The snowmobile was heavy. If I drove onto a spot where the ice was weak, I was sure to crack the ice and plummet into the freezing water underneath. I wondered if Shannon and Doug had sneaked out to the road. I wondered if they were going to find someone to help us. Lou and Red were at the edge of the lake and coming on fast, running a few steps, then sliding on the slick surface, running, then sliding. Just ahead, I noticed a large dark patch of ice. I swerved to avoid it and started to tilt. I could feel the snowmobile go out of control and I had this sick feeling of helplessness of knowing what was about to happen. 
of not being able to do anything but let it happen. I guess I'd been going too fast, or tried to turn too sharply on the smooth surface. With a grinding roar, the snowmobile bolted over onto its side. I let go and went flying off it, landing hard on my side on the ice. I let out one gasp and then realized I couldn't breathe. I had had the wind knocked out of me, in a total panic, unable to move, unable to get up, struggling to take air into my lungs. I watched the snowmobile slide away from me. Get up, Ariel. Get up. Breathe. You've got to breathe now. The white snow looked so blue. Everything looked blue. Was I staring up at the sky? Had the whole world turned upside down? Breathe, Ariel. Come on, girl. Breathe. I could hear Lou's voice, shouting and cursing. I think it snatched me out of my daze, out of my pain. I gulped in a mouthful of air. Then another. I was on my feet now. The snowmobile had come to a stop on its side at the edge of the dark patch of ice. Useless to me now. Red and Lou were just a few yards behind me, running and sliding. I tried to run too, but the snow was so deep and the lake surface so slick, so slippery. My boots couldn't take hold. I could barely walk. Looking back toward the house, I saw Doug and Shannon running toward the lake, alone. Why were they running back? To help me, I guessed. They must have seen that I was in trouble and were running to the lake to try to help. Stop right there, Lou shouted, his voice echoing off the hard surface. Stop, Ariel, you can't get away, Red cried, right behind him. They were probably right. They were close behind me and gaining. It was just so hard to run through the snow on the ice. No, 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 I thought. I had been running so long, scared so long, trying to get away from them for so long that I was panting, my chest heaving, gasping out loud with each breath. I felt as if my lungs were about to burst. My legs throbbed. My ribs ached from my fall off the snowmobile. No, no, no. I kept running to the edge of a patch of dark ice, and then I slipped and fell forward, sprawling onto my stomach. Gotcha, Lou said in a low voice, right behind me. Chapter 24 Lou reached out both hands and grabbed my legs. I kicked furiously, sending up a shower of snow and toppling him backward. Before I could get up, Red grabbed my shoulders and pushed me down, pinning me in place. Ow, stop, get off me! Were they going to kill me right there in the middle of the lake? Lou got up quickly and stood over me, glaring angrily, breathing hard. Let go of me! I struggled to get free of Red, but he leaned all his weight on me, holding me in place. Now what? Red asked, glancing up at Lou. Lou was about to answer when we heard the sirens in the distance. Huh? Red's expression changed as fear mingled with surprise on his face. Ava really did it, Lou muttered grimly. She called the police. He cursed under his breath. Red jumped to his feet, forgetting about me. The sirens grew louder. Now what, Lou? Now what, genius? Mr. Plans? What's the big plan now, genius? He said the word with total disgust, his voice high-pitched, almost hysterical. Shut up, Lou snarled, balling up his fists as if you're about to hit Red. I slid away from them, afraid to get up, glad to not be noticed for a few seconds. I edged slowly, silently away from Red and Lou. The sirens were really close now. Now what? Now what? Red repeated, his voice frightened and cracking. Shut up, let me think, Lou said, scratching his beard. We're trapped, Red cried. Trapped. All because of you and your stupid plan, Lou. Shut up, Red. I mean it. I edged my way farther out on the lake, praying their argument would continue, that they wouldn't notice me until I was far from them. I knew it wouldn't work, Red screamed, giving Lou a hard shove. You always have to make things complicated. We should have killed Jake and then taken off. It's that simple. You're simple, Lou growled. Everyone in this little town knew we were visiting Jake. When he turned up dead, 
The police would have come after us. We never could have gotten the money back that Jake stole. Staying here and bringing these kids into blame. That was smart, Lou said. We should have buried him and run, Red insisted. I edged my way farther out. I climbed to my feet and started to move, half running, half sliding over the ice. Where should we have buried him? In the snow? Lou screamed. You're as dumb as your sister. Well, look where your brilliant plan got us, Red screamed hysterically. We're trapped here, caught with nowhere to run. Come on, Red. Lou's expression turned sorrowful. The sirens were blaring now. The police must have been at the front of the house. Doug and Shannon were at the edge of the lake. Well, I'm not going to be a sitting duck, Red screamed. You can stand here and surrender, Lou. I'm going to grab the girl. He looked at me, his eyes wild and frightened. They're not taking me unless they want to see her dead. Chapter 25 I could feel my heart leap, my breath caught in my throat. What was taking the police so long? Looking up at the house, I saw Ava running toward the lake, her coat undone, flapping wildly behind her, but no police cars. Red started toward me, his face grim, determined. I started to run again, slipping, sliding, struggling to keep my balance. Hey, he yelled, stop. Everything was so white, so shiny. Even in my terror, I saw once again that white sheet of paper my dad used to hold up and make jokes about. What do you see here, Ariel? A frightened girl who might die in the snow some joke. I ran blindly into the white glare, sliding, tumbling forward as if in a dream, a terrifying, cold, white nightmare. All color disappeared. I was hurtling through an all-white world, so sparkling clear, so dangerously clear. The colors returned as Red lunged at me, groaning as he threw his arms out. I dodged to one side, ducking my head. He missed and kept moving. He was going so fast, I didn't think he could stop himself. And then I heard the cracking, the mysterious cracking like bones breaking. I looked down but couldn't see anything through the snow. Then when Red screamed, I turned back to him and heard the ice shattering under him. The cracking noise was so loud like someone tearing apart the earth. Red raised his arms. I'll never forget the look of horror on his face. His mouth was open wide, his frightened eyes staring straight up for some reason. Ariel, I think I heard him call my name, and then he dropped through the snow and ice. It didn't look as if he were falling. He went down so fast, it looked as if he were being sucked down. I stood there, watching, unable to move, to do anything. I saw his horrified face. The expression didn't change as it disappeared into the dark water. His hands, held high above his head, vanished last. Red! 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 I could hear Ava shrieking his name over and over from the edge of the lake. Red struggled up to the surface. His arms were flailing frantically. He looked like the little mouse in the trap. Red! 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 He reached a hand toward me. I edged forward, listening for the ice to crack again. A bit more. A bit more. Red! 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 I reached my hand out, leaning forward, stretching as far as I could. Could I get to him before the ice broke? Before he sank again? I was only a few feet from him now, and then only a foot away. Lying down, I stretched, stretched toward him, stretched and the ice cracked loudly, a big chunk breaking away. I jumped back, just in time. Red rolled over in the water, pushed by the heavy broken chunks of ice. Red! 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 He disappeared headfirst under the snow and ice. He didn't surface again. I lay staring at the hole, at the dark water that splashed up over the edges. I don't know how long I lay there waiting for Red to pop back up, but I knew. I knew Red was dead. I suddenly realized that I was pulling at my hair with both hands. 
Standing up, I took a step back. Then another. Ava was still screaming Red's name from the shore. Lou was hurrying across the ice to her. A loud crack startled me. The ice beneath my boots. It was starting to break up. Oh! I suddenly realized that I was about to be sucked down under the ice like Red. Chapter 26 I took another careful step toward the shore. I couldn't decide whether to work my way slowly step by step or to run as fast as I could and hoped that I could outrun the shattering ice. I heard another crack nearby. Water sprung up and splashed over my boots. I tried to erase Red's horrifying face from my mind, but it refused to go away. I saw his face, saw his hands reach for mine, heard Ava's heartbreaking shrieks. Stop thinking, Ariel, I told myself. Just get yourself back onto solid ground. I looked to the shore, so close yet so far away. Standing on the edge of the lake, Lou was doing his best to comfort Ava. Behind them, two black-and-white police cars skidded into the backyard, the flashing red lights on their roofs reflecting pink off the snow. Finally, I thought. I took another step, waving to the police cars. I was too frightened to call out to them, frightened that a loud noise might make the ice crack even more. I know that's not scientific, but it's hard to be scientific when you're scared out of your wits. Doug and Shannon were waving and calling to the policemen, who came leaping out of their cars, their guns drawn. Lou quickly surrendered. He had his arms around Ava. He didn't try to escape. Everyone was standing on the lake shore, staring across the ice at me now. Ron, Ariel, it's going to give way, Doug shouted. He held his hands out to me. The cracking suddenly sounded like thunder, the kind of thunder that starts quietly in the distance and then becomes a roar as it moves toward you. I didn't turn back to see how close the open water was to me. I followed Doug's advice. I started to run. I was almost there, just a few yards from Doug's outstretched hands. Another crack, again like thunder. I could feel the ice breaking up. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I am going to make it. I reached forward and grabbed Doug's hands. He pulled me onto land just as I felt the entire section beneath my feet give way. I looked back and saw chunks of ice bobbing and swaying, like gigantic ice cubes in an enormous drink. I smiled at Doug, holding onto his shoulders. Nice catch, I said. I can't believe we'll be home by dinner time, Shannon said. Yeah, I wonder what's for dinner, Doug said, his eyes staring straight ahead through the windshield. Hope it isn't liver. I'm sure my parents will wait to ask me what to have tonight, I said laughing. Mom was so happy to hear from me. I think she and Dad will be my slaves for at least the next year or two. Yeah, my parents were so relieved they forgot how angry they are at me, Shannon added. We'd been driving for more than an hour, and she hadn't complained about the broken heater once. I didn't think any of us would complain about anything, not for a while anyway. We were that grateful to be heading home. The police had arrested Lou and Ava. They took us all to the police station, where they let us call our parents. Mom and Dad were both home, waiting by the phone. They'd been up for two days, worried sick. They had tried to call, but of course the lines were down. They seemed so glad to hear my voice, and I know I'd never been so glad to hear theirs. After the phone calls, the town police captain called us one by one into his tiny closet of an office to tell the whole story in detail. Then Doug's Plymouth had to be towed out of the ravine. That took nearly two hours. The passenger side was pretty bent up. The front door wouldn't even open. But, miracle of miracles, the engine started right up. It was weird to think that it was Red who had pushed the car into the ravine. And finally, here we were, on our way to our homes in Shadyside. I don't believe it, Doug had said, leaning forward. The road's been plowed. The road crew waited until it was time for us to leave, Shannon said, resting her head against the seat back. Hey, 
What are you guys doing next weekend? I asked, leaning forward between the front seats. I don't know. Why? Shannon asked. How about a ski weekend? I suggested, laughing. Doug and Shannon didn't think it was funny. I have something for you, Doug said seriously. With his left hand on the wheel, he reached over, opened the glove compartment, and pulled out a snowball. Without taking his eyes off the road, he reached back and rubbed it in my face. I guess I deserved it. I decided to get him back the first time we stopped. This has been a Nightfall Audiobooks production of Ski Weekend by R.L. Stein, a Fear Street novel, Book 10. Thank you for listening to Ski Weekend. It was a lot of fun to read a book I hadn't read before. I sit down and I record and I have so much time to record, and there were several times where I really wanted to keep on going because I didn't know what was going to happen next, but I ran out of time and I had to wait until the next day or a few days later to find out what happened next. This was a fun book. Standard R.L. Stein. The twist was Red was really a bad guy and working for Lou all along. We don't know what the deal with Jake was, what money he stole, why they couldn't recover it. There's a lot of unanswered questions in this novel. <laughs> it's it's a little bit of a mess. It's okay. Standard Fear Street stuff. I'm glad I read it. I had a good time recording it. I got the voices all worked out for all the characters pretty good. I'm very, very happy with the production of this book. And I do not know what I will be reading next. If you want to get in touch with me, let me know what you're thinking. Send me an email, nightfallaudiobooks at gmail.com. Or I'm on YouTube, Nightfall Audiobooks. Send me a comment, like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell anybody that you think would like to listen to a Fear Street novel. Thank you very much for listening, and I will see you next time.